A reading from the book of the prophet Isaiah. Let me now sing of my friend, my friend's song concerning his vineyard. My friend had a vineyard on a fertile hillside. He spayed it, cleared it of stones, and planted the choicest vines. Within it, he built a watchtower and hewed out a wine press. Then he looked for the crop of grapes, but what it <coughs> yielded was wild grapes. Now inhabitants of Jerusalem and people of Judah judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there, for, what more was there to do for my vineyard that I had not done? Why, when I looked for the crop of grapes, did it bring forth wild grapes? Now I will let you know what I mean to do with my vineyard. Take away its hedge, give it to grazing, break through its wall, let it be trampled. Yes, I will make it a ruin. It shall not be pruned or hoed, but overgrown with thorns and briars. I will command the clouds not to send rain upon it. The vineyard of the Lord of hosts is the house of Israel, and the people of Judah are his cherished plant. He looked for judgment, but see bloodshed, for justice, but hark the outcry. The word of the Lord. of the Lord is the house of Israel. A vine from Egypt you transplanted. You drove away the nations and planted it. It put forth, forth its foliage to the sea. It shoots as far as the river. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Why have you broken down its walls so that every passerby plucks its fruit? The boar from the forest lays its waste, and the beasts of the field feed upon it. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Once again, O Lord of hosts, look down from heaven and see. Take care of this vine, and protect what your right hand has planted the Son of Man, whom you yourself made strong. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. Then we will no more withdraw from you. Give us new life, and we will call upon your name. O Lord God of hosts, restore us. If your face shines upon us, then we shall be saved. The vineyard of the Lord is the house of Israel. A reading from the letter of St. Paul to the Philippians. Brothers and sisters, have no anxiety at all, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. Then the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, 
whatever is gracious, if there is any excellence, and if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Keep on doing what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me. Then the God of peace will be with you. The word of the Lord. reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus said to the chief priests and the elders of the people, hear another parable. There was a landowner who planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a wine press in it, and built a tower. Then he leased it to tenants and went on a journey. When vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the tenants to obtain his produce. But the tenants seized the servants, and one they beat, another they killed, and a third they stoned. Again, he sent other servants, more numerous than the first ones, but they treated them the same way. Finally, he sent his son to them, thinking, they will respect my son. But when the tenants saw the son, they said to one another, this is the heir. Come, let us kill him and acquire his inheritance. They seized him threw him out of the vineyard and killed him. What will the owner of the vineyard do to those tenants when he comes? They answered him, He will put those wretched men to a wretched death and lease his vineyard to other tenants who will give him the produce at the proper times. Jesus said to them, Did you never read in the Scriptures, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. By the Lord has this been done, and it is wonderful in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken away from you and given to a people that will produce its fruit. The Gospel of the Lord. A few years back, a friend of mine, longtime co-worker by the name of Gary, uh, was dying of liver cancer. And uh, he used to say it was quite ironic because, you see, he was, he was Baptist, and he always described himself as a good little Baptist boy who never had more than two beers his whole life. So he thought it was ironic that he was dying of liver cancer. But nevertheless, we, we would talk sometimes, and he would talk to me about how much pain he was going through and how hard it was to bear. And I asked him, I said, Gary, have you ever heard of a, 
a Catholic teaching known as redemptive suffering. He said, no, what's that? I said, well, um, it's where you take whatever suffering you have in your life and you offer it back to Jesus uh, in union with his sufferings on the cross for whatever purpose, you know, for uh, repentance of your sins, other people's sins, people who don't get prayed for, that sort of thing. It's a, it's a form of prayer using your own suffering. And because he's Baptist, of course, you have to give him some sort of scriptural reference to it. I said, it's what St. Paul is talking about when he says that we have the chance to make up what is missing in the sufferings of Christ, using our suffering as prayer. And he got a little misty-eyed. He said, Ed, that's, that's the most beautiful thing I think I've ever heard, knowing that my suffering can be useful for some reason. And then he says, well, tell me some other Catholic teachings. He says, do you guys believe in once saved, always saved? And I said, no, Gary, we don't. And that shocked him. He says, well, why? I said, Gary, you cannot stand there and go, I claim Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, and then go out and be a hitman for the mafia, or run a brothel, or, you know, live a debauched life in general. Once you claim and acknowledge Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, it's time to show conversion of heart by the way you live your life. You're supposed to live what you've learned in the gospel, even though you're going to fail from time to time. Jesus understands that. But he also calls us as people of faith to live our mission of bringing people to him, making disciples of the whole world, as he puts it later in Matthew's gospel. It's a lifelong mission. It's one that he expects us to go out and do, and he promises to help us with it as long as we remain faithful workers in his vineyard, as he put it today. You know, he often, throughout his uh, preaching ministry, used vines and vineyards uh, as metaphors, as images, representing himself, representing the church. You know, I am the vine, you are the branches, meaning you have to always, you know, maintain your connection to Jesus. Uh, you might remember last week, we, we had the uh, parable of the two sons working in the vineyard. Well, one who actually did work and the other one who said he was going to but didn't, okay? The idea is we're expected to work in God's vineyard. Our mission to know, love, and serve God begins by our knowing, loving, and serving each other, thereby making disciples for Him. Now, in today's choice of Scripture passages, our church leads with a section from Isaiah just so that we will understand the mindset of the Pharisees and the elders when Jesus starts His parable. Because you see, when Jesus starts his parable, he starts it out almost word for word, quoting from this passage in Isaiah. Isaiah was a prophet who was warning the people of Israel of what was going to happen because they were neglecting God's covenants. They were not providing for the poor. They were not providing for the widows. They were not providing for the orphans. They were worshiping other gods, totally neglecting the covenant. So God was like, well, if you want to reject me, here's what happens when you don't have me around. The price for neglecting the covenants was you would lose God's protection. And so the vineyard 
of Israel would be allowed to go to waste, to be trampled, to be taken over. And that's exactly what happened. The Babylonians came in, conquered Israel, took everybody away, or most of the people away, into exile for multiple generations. So this is what's going through the minds of the chief priests and the elders when Jesus begins almost word for word quoting Isaiah as he starts his parable. They would absolutely have recognized themselves in what he was saying. And in fact, in Matthew's Gospel, a couple of verses past where we finished reading today, it actually says, they understood what he was saying, they recognized themselves in his words, and they hated him for it, and began to plot to kill him. So why does Matthew put this in here? Well, at the time that Matthew wrote down his gospel, most of the people in his community were Jewish Christians, people who had come from Judaism into Christianity. In fact, most of the very first Christians were Jewish, didn't even consider themselves as apart from Judaism. They just thought of it as a new way of living out their Jewish heritage. But they were dismayed because so many of the other Jews of their time did not see Christ as the fulfillment of the prophecies, did not see him as the promised one to come, the Messiah to come. And it troubled them. And as time went on, it became apparent more and more Gentiles, that is non-Jews, were becoming Christian. Finally, by the year 70 AD, the city of Jerusalem was destroyed. There was no more temple worship for the Jews. And so it literally became true that the vineyard had been laid waste again and that the vineyard was being turned over to other tenants. My friends, we today are those other tenants. It means we must persist in living our lives according to the gospel call to worship and to service. And it's not just a Sunday thing, okay? Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not fussing at you for only coming on Sundays, okay? What I'm saying is when we come to Mass on Sunday, we come to be immersed in God's love and His mercy, and then we're supposed to take it out into the world. That's what it means to be a full-time disciple. Our families, our workplaces, our politics, Everything in our society should reflect those gospel values and how we interact with it. St. Paul, in fact, tells us that we should be doing what we have learned from him and learned from the gospels and received in all circumstances. Elsewhere in his letter, he talks about those circumstances. He says he preaches Christ whether he is hungry or has enough food, whether he is poor or has enough money, whether he's imprisoned or shipwreck, et cetera, et cetera. He lists a whole bunch of things. Always, always living the gospel so that others may see and be attracted to it. Now, is this difficult? Of course it is. Jesus knew that. And that is why he gave himself to us in the Eucharist, to strengthen us in our struggles, to comfort us in our failures, and to show us what is possible when we give our all to Him the way He gave His all to us. So claiming Jesus as our Lord and Savior means conversion of heart 
and faithfulness to the mission he gave us, working in his vineyard to make disciples of all the world. God love you.